Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt God's name together, for this is the day that the Lord has made. May we rejoice and be glad in it. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather and to feast together on your word. May it convict, may it comfort, may it drive and compel. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I ask that you hold both our Old Testament text and our New Testament text, our gospel reading, in the palms of your hands and your minds as we go into a conversation on the topic, I need a light. Now, before you gasp and surprise, I don't smoke. I don't need that kind of light. But like many of you, I need light. I love this time of year. I love the decorations, the trees, the angels. I love the wonderful Christmas music, the liturgical songs, the secular songs about Christmas, the joy, the love, and the meaning of this season expressed through music, through services, through our giving, through plays and concerts, through family time and festive gathering after festive gathering. And in anticipation of this wonderful season, my husband and I began preparing our home for special celebrations and time with family and friends. So we began by pulling out the tree. No more real trees are allowed in my home. That's a long story. And wreaths and garlands and ornaments. And this year, to make it special, I put on Christmas music and made some hot chocolate and we got to work. We were like Santa's elves, stringing up garland, putting up our tree, trimming the tree with ornaments, and then after everything was assembled, we were ready to light up and amplify these beautiful decorations. So we plugged in a string of lights, and nothing came on. We plugged in another string of lights, nothing came on. And again and again, we plugged in lights, and nothing came on. And with each successive plug-in and no light, my glee diminished, my happy cheer turned to utter frustration, disappointment, my hot chocolate was now cold, <laughs> and all I could say was, bah, what in the world happened to all of our lights? In this moment in time, when all we hear on the news cycles is negative story after negative story, I think we need a light. I was once a consistent consumer of the news, TV, in print, on radio, but I must confess that now much of the news streams and the news cycles leave me weary, overwhelmed, uncomfortable, and if I'm not careful, on the brink of hopelessness. I can't take one more story about failed and insufficient leadership at the highest levels, of death and killing, of mass killings, of terror threats, of ethnic, religious, and power conflicts that are ravaging communities, families, babies, children, women, men, people. Dark story after dark story has left me in need of a light. 
Today's Old Testament text in Isaiah 40 is from the second half of the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah brings a message in this text of hope, forgiveness, and comfort. He speaks to an exiled people and tells of a future release from Babylonian captivity and of a future redeemer who will come to bring sight to the blind, set the captives free, and a future kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The people, the Jewish people that he's speaking to, have experienced so much loss, so much pain, so much death during the Babylonian captivity. The life as they had known it had now been stripped away. Even their symbol for the presence of God, their great temple at Jerusalem that housed the Ark of the Covenant, which was the physical manifestation of God on earth, was destroyed. In exile, public life as they had known it had come to an end. For ancient Israel, it was the end of privilege. It was the end of domination. It was the end of viable public institutions. It was the end of a sustaining social fabric. It was dark. Someone say, we need a light. Where is the God that showed up to Moses in a burning bush? Where is the God that parted the Red Sea? I could hear them asking, where is the God that led us with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Where is the God that rained down manna when we had no food? Isaiah is speaking to these people who are not only in exile, but they're there because of their own sin, their own stubbornness their choices not to obey or follow their godly counsel. And rather than chastise them, he brings a word of comfort. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to them, intimate comfort. How beautiful and merciful and full of grace and love. This tenderness calls them into listen a little further, to lean in because this comfort draws them in a way they may not have expected. Isaiah knew who he was talking to. He knew he had to draw them in because these were the descendants of the very people who got stuck in the darkness, in the wilderness before. Remember the story throughout Exodus. It took them 40 years in this journey through the wilderness when it should have only taken 11 days. In this text, Isaiah offers words of comfort and restoration to a people in the wilderness, in the darkness. He says, you've been in exile in the wilderness, but get ready. There will be a time for restoration. I think his prophetic words echo to them and to us to remind us that although things may seem dark, we shouldn't get stuck in the darkness. Isaiah's words were not only for that generation, they were for our generation. That text is part of the messianic prophecy and it sets up John the Baptist's mission to prepare the way of the Lord. And through that prophecy, Isaiah says, don't get stuck in the darkness for there is more. We move from the prophet Isaiah to the prophet John the Baptist, the first prophet, the first real prophet in 400 years since Malachi. The gospel text begins with these words, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a setup? Good news is on the way. During this historic period in Rome, important Roman officials were always introduced by an announcer or a herald. So in this text, Mark's, Mark knows that his audience are the Roman Christians, and he begins his book with the herald, John the Baptist. 
John's word, Mark's words, and then those that come through John stir up our Advent anticipation by crying out that a real live miracle worker, a bringer of hope, an usher of justice, the epitome of love in action is on the way. This text creates the anticipation that is central to the liturgical season of Advent that we're in. The word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus for coming. The season is a time of preparation and expectation for the coming celebration of our Lord's nativity. The people that John cries out to had heard that there was a great Messiah that was going to come one day. But when? Where? How? He ignites their anticipation and their wonder. Could it be? Could God care enough about us in our situation? In this New Testament text, Mark comes in after year, decades and centuries of darkness to bring forth a word of anticipation and of good news. It makes me think of the psalmist who says, when I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, which you have set in place, O Lord, what is humankind that you are mindful of us? Could it be that God sees us in this darkness and sends good news in the midst of the dark places? Who is this God that sits high and yet looks low? This season of Advent is a season of hope and of joy and of peace, but it's also a season of wonder. I invite us to wonder through this season, to look for the awe-inspiring presence and move of our God. Things may look dark, but hold on, good news is on the way. That is what John the Baptist comes to tell us today. He cries out through the ages and tells us to prepare the way and make room in our inn, our hearts for Christ today. I submit to you today that we've allowed life, its challenges, its to-do lists, its demands to stifle our wonder. When was the last time you were in awe? In disbelief of the majesty in the midst of our ordinary existence. Paul speaks of the wonders of God while in a dark place in a Roman jail when he says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask for think according to the power that worketh within us. The psalmist speaks of wonder when he says, You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. Mahatma Gandhi speaks of wonder. He says, when I admire the wonders of a sunset or the beauty of the moon, my soul expands in the worship of the creator. Being in a position of wonder can expand your soul, your faith, your hope, your expectations of looking and searching for God in the wonder can change our world. The great Christian mystic Madeline Lee Engle says in her poem, The Birth of Wonder, but now is the hour when I remember an infant's power on a cold December. Midnight is dawning and the birth of wonder. She's also said that we do not draw people to Christ by loudly discrediting what they believe or by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. That light is imbued 
by an attitude and a position of wonder. In this season, we may look with wonder and curiosity for the omnipresence of God. When we, when we move about with wonder and anticipation and expectation that God is present even in spite of circumstances, and that God will move in our midst, attitudes change. Despair slips away into hope and darkness gives way to cracks of light. And that wonder pushes us to look beyond current circumstance. Some of you may have seen the uh, homegoing services for Rosalind Carter. I was struck by the words of her grandson, Jason, who said it was amazing how far she could see. She could see far. She could see beyond the darkness of the current moment and realized that through God, there was more to come. In that seeing far is a prophetic imagination that we hear Isaiah and John the Baptist tapping into and igniting. In that prophetic imagination, Isaiah sees far and prophetically imagines and cries out for a world where equity and justice reign, where straight in the desert, a highway for our God, such that every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain made low. Every uneven ground shall become level and the rough places become plain. This is ultimately a call to create a framework for justice and equity in our very midst. John the Baptist sees far in the prophetic imagination by crying out. And when he cries out as a herald of one that is to come, he walks in his prophetic call with a prophetic imagination. I believe we're called not to get stuck in the darkness during this Advent season, that we're called to wonder about the amazing presence and power of our God, even in the midst of darkness. And we are called to be agents of prophetic imagination. Walter Brueggemann, the Old Testament scholar, says that a prophet is someone that tries to articulate the world as though God were really active in the world. And that means, on the one hand, to identify those parts of the world order that are contradictory to God, and yet to talk with confidence that God is working out an alternative world of well-being and justice and peace and security in spite of the contradiction. That's how we prepare the way. We, the hands, the feet, and voice of God on earth, the ambassadors of God, must call forth God's will on earth through our repentance, through our living, through our wonder, through our desire and determination to press on when it is the darkest. This word comes to us from thousands of years ago to let us know that even in the darkness, we are on the brink of something good. So don't give up, pray, don't give in, put your faith to work, don't despair, hold on to your hope. Come back with me into my home. That night, after putting up all these decorations, we gave up, we went to bed. We said, forget it, maybe we won't have decorations this year. We got up the next morning, we walked into the living room and many of those strands of light were on. And I was like, how in the world? And then we realized they were on a timer. Yep. 
As we heard in the epistle reading, we don't know God's timing. <laughs> but we serve a God who's always on time. That was from my Baptist folks in the room. Many things may look overwhelming, but hold on, because God is still in the wonder-working business. Just like John appeared and Jesus was born into a dark world, our God is still lighting up dark spaces. It may not come when you want it, but it will come on time. We need light, church, and this is the season where we prepare the way. Hark the herald angels sing, Jesus the light of the world. Glory to the newborn King, Jesus, the light of the world. I need a light.